This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Thank you for coming to Zen Center to um, spend the morning with me and with everyone else this morning. I'm just very delighted to be back um, after moving out a number of months ago. I think this is the first time I'm back in the Buddha Hall and with a group of people. So thank you. And I'd like to thank um, Tanto, Anna, the head of practice here, and the abbots, um, David and Ed, to invite me to give this talk today. And I'd like to thank um, Senior Dharma teacher Paul to um, support me all these years. And to thank all my Dharma friends um, for sharing this practice with me. I was very touched when I was bowing to the Buddha just now. So, um, Last month, I um, went to New York for a vacation, um, and I saw uh, a lot of Buddha statues at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And the Buddha statues there reminded me of this one. And, and the many others in this building. So I have uh, quite a few friends in New York um, and they took me to um, museums and gardens and um, it, was, it was quite wonderful after not being there for over 20 years. Um, and uh, because my um, attention span is just about two hours for museums, <laughs> I like to really uh, appreciate each each object that I that I see. So I spend time and then take it very slow. So I I thought, oh, I only had two hours when I went to the Met with my friend and uh, maybe I'll just focus on the Asian collection. And even the Asian collection is huge. 
So, so he told me, oh, there are lots of Buddha statues now. Um, I don't remember last time I was there, there were so many. So I said, let's just go there. And then, so I spent two hours wandering from room to room where the Buddhas, uh, the statues of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are. And um, that was wonderful. Um, it was wonderful to see so many, um, these work of art and, um, and uh, religion uh, and spiritual practice from many different countries in Asia, from uh, China to Japan, to Mongolia, India, um, Thailand, uh, Pakistan, or Asian region of uh, Gandhara. And um, so there, most of them were uh, Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, or Maitreya Buddha, um, and a lot of uh, Avadogiteshvara Bodhisattva, uh, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, or Guan Yin in Chinese. And um, the, um, the amazing thing is each one of them, um, depending on which region they are from, they look just like the people <laughs> in their country. <laughs> so, um, uh, so a Chinese Buddha or Guan Yin look like Chinese. Uh, uh, Thai Buddha looks like Thai. And uh, um, Sri Lankan Buddha looks like Sri Lankan. And they, they also dress like, you know, where they came from. And uh, I was um, struck by this image of uh, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva from Thailand. Because usually we think of her, we think of um, Avalokiteshvara in terms of this kind of feminine image, like Guan Yin, like the one outside, and uh, and the wearing these like very ornate robes, but this one from Thailand has a masculine look, has mustache, and and the only thing he was wearing was a pair of shorts. So it's a very kind of a simple statue. And, um, and I was standing in front of that statue. I was telling my friend, oh my God, it must be hot there. <laughs> so I was quite struck by the simplicity of it. And also 
the varieties of all the other, all the other Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. The many different phases of the Buddha. Many different faces. And yet, they share the same name or same character, Buddha, the awakened one, or Bodhisattva, the awakened one who is compassionate for all beings. So what is the true face of Buddha? What is the original face of the Buddha? So today, I like to uh, bring up the koan of original face and uh, it's um, a very famous koan in Zen tradition and there are a few cases um, in the history of Zen that referred to this particular phrase, the original face. And uh, perhaps the most famous one, or one of the most famous one, is uh, uh, from Wu Guan, the Gayless Gate. Uh, he's 23, about um, a conversation between the sixth ancestor, Hui Neng, and uh, the, a monk named Hui Ming, Venerable Ming, who was tracing after Hui Neng, um, after Hui Neng was uh, given uh, the ropes and bowls from the fifth ancestor. So many of you have heard of that story. Um, so for uh, those of you who are not very familiar with uh, Zen koan tradition. Um, koan is a gongan, a collection of Zen stories from which a particular inquiry or inquiries are derived and practice with. And um, so the, the inquiry or the leading question or huato is like the, it's like the, the most important 
question or inquiry that one can ask about their practice. And um, so I understand uh, we're having a practice period now studying uh, the collection from the Blue Cliff Records. And, um, and then uh, this particular koan I'm going to explore is from another collection called Woman Gwen, um, The Gateless Barrier or Gateless Gate. And um, many of these koans are, were actually compiled from, a, from earlier records uh, in Zen history in China called Denglu, uh, Transmission of the Lamb, Records of Transmission of the Lamb, and or other, other um, records such as um, the Platform Sutra of the Sixth Ancestor. So, so case 23 from the Blue, uh, from the Woman Gwen Gateless Gate, uh, refer to a story from the Platform Sutra. When the monk Hui Ming, Venerable Ming, um, caught up with Master Hui Neng and wanted to uh, get the fifth ancestor's bowl and rope back. And they had a conversation. And Master Huinan said, here are the bowl and the rope. Go ahead and take it. And Venerable Ming tried to take it and then he couldn't move it and said, and then he, <laughs> he said, oh, I'm not, I'm not here for the bow and the rope. And he said, please give me your teaching. And Master Huineng said, without thinking good, without thinking bad, just right in this moment, what is your original face? Just right at this moment, what is your original face? According to the story, Venerable Ming had a awakening right then. So what does it mean to not think of good and bad? What does it mean? What does original face mean? One of the most important teachings of the sixth ancestor is about non-abiding, 无助, 
not abiding or not dwelling in things, not being stuck in things. And he was actually, um, he had a experience of realization when he heard the phrase from Diamond Sutra, not dwelling anywhere, one gives rise to the mind. To the pure mind. 因无所住而生其心. So that's the the phrase he heard when he was a layman selling firewood, and he had a deep experience when he heard that, and then he went to look for the fifth ancestor, and. Later on, when he became a teacher, the main message of his teaching is about non-abiding, non-abiding. What does it mean? When he said, not thinking of good, not thinking of bad, does it mean there's no good or bad? Does it mean that we don't care. And when I look at his teaching, I think of it as not being stuck, not being confined to our ideas and labels and um, patterns. And um, I'm right, you're wrong, or I'm better. <laughs> um, or in some cases, I'm not good, I'm not as good. All of those ideas and um, thought patterns and behavioral patterns confine us to a fixed place. Another um, related uh, Zen story to this koan uh, is about Master Xiangyan, who, who were from several generations after Huineng. He was a very learned um, scholar and practitioner when he studied with Master Bai Zhang who you already probably heard of. And, but he did not 
see his true nature after many years of practice. And when Bai Zhang passed away, he went to practice with his uh, elder Dharma brother, Master Weishan. And Master Weishan said to him, well, I heard that you are very learned when you were at our old teacher's place. You always had many, many um, ideas. And for every question, you always had 10 answers. And so I'm not asking you about what you've learned, what you've um, studied from scriptures, from what other people said. I'm asking you when you were first born, when your parents first gave birth to you, before you could distinguish anything, who were you? What was your original state? And he couldn't answer that question. He thought of all the scriptures he studied and he didn't have an answer. So he said to himself later on, uh, a painted pancake cannot uh, satisfy my hunger. And he begged uh, Master Wei Shan to give him the answer. <laughs> and Wei Shan said, um, my answer is my answer. <laughs> it's not your answer. <laughs> Go figure it out. <laughs> so he uh, got rid of all his books and became a working monk. He, he traveled and wandered and uh, became a, a work monk somewhere at uh, supposedly uh, uh, Master Hui Zhong's, Nanyang Hui Zhong's temple. He, he tended the garden and worked in the field. And one day after many years passed also, one day, he uh, was clearing up the field and he threw the pebbles away. And then one pebble hit a bamboo. At the sound of bam uh, that pebble striking the bamboo, he was awakened. What was he awakened to? After all the things he learned, he didn't see it. But as he heard the sound of the stone, the pebble hitting the bamboo, he saw it.
So that that became an another famous koan that um, that's associated with the earlier koan that I talked about. What is your original face before your parents gave you birth? Before you were able to distinguish good and bad, right and wrong, what is that? So as we learn things, as we form concepts and ideas, it's very easy for us to get into dualistic patterns. And if we only see that, if our whole mind and body are covered up with these fixed notions, then we cannot see what's behind it. We cannot get in touch with that which is more expansive. that which gives rise to all the possibilities. So does it mean that uh, we, we don't need any of the any of the, um, the precepts or ethics or any of the guidelines for wholesome and unwholesome thinking and behavior. Doesn't mean that all we need to do is to just sit and empty our mind and not think about anything. I don't think the teaching is pointing to nothingness or voidness. It's pointing to non-dwelling or non-abiding. And let the life stream flow and keep flowing. The stream of life 
comes from the same source, or streams, rivers, oceans of life come from the same source, but they manifest as different forms and looks. You come to this world with your form and what you look like, how you think, how you act and you are unique from everybody else and yet each one of you each one of us are all connected to the same source to act and respond from that source. <coughs> to respond from that source is to manifest wisdom and compassion. And that's another important teaching of Zen. We may not be able to put our fingers around this source, this secret, or what we call the original face. But we can see it through the act, through manifestation of a compassionate mind, of a mind of wisdom. It's um, interesting that um, there is a parallel teaching in Taoist practice. Um, if you heard of Tao Te Ching, the chapter one, the, the opening lines 
of Tao Te Ching talks about a similar thing. The, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. And yet, the Tao, even though it's, this is my commentary, not the original text, <laughs> cannot be told, even though the Tao is can, cannot be told, it manifests through what can be named. Ever desireless, one sees the secret of the Tao. Ever desiring, one sees the manifestation of that secret. So the word desire here is not not, not about uh, wanting. It, it, it's kind of like it means engaging with mind, engaging with, with um, thoughts and feelings. So the source, the secret, the original face, whatever we call it, we try to call it, we try to describe it, that, but cannot be described. And yet, what can be described is what we manifest in the world how we are with each other. How we take care of each other is manifestation of interconnectedness. giving your friend a hug, a cup of tea, is manifestation of compassion and caring.
So what is your original face? And what is your face as you, as who you are? The many faces of the Buddha is right here, are right here. And um, I saw some statues at the mat that look like this one from the Gandhara period, which is quite rare, I believe. And uh, a few years ago, uh, my calligraphy teacher, uh, Master Chen, who some of you met, uh, he retired and closed his studio or gallery. And he had a huge painting that he wanted to donate to us. And uh, so he brought that painting here uh, with a friend who helped him. I, I don't know if it's still, it was put into the library downstairs. It's a Chinese painting. I don't know if it's still there. But anyway, so uh, um, Master Chen and his friend came and they're both uh, Buddhists. And um, I never met his friend, but um, when they came, I gave them a tour of the building. And I was struck by how they enter the Buddha hall, how they approach each Buddha's and Bodhisattva statue. And they bow, they did their three full prostrations in front of this Buddha and they pause when their forehead touched the ground for a few seconds each time, as if that was how they were able to express their reverence. I told them about this, where this Buddha came from and then where the Buddha downstairs, uh, that one came from China, from Yuan Dynasty, The the very peaceful looking <laughs> round face Buddha um, by the coffee room. And then I took them to um, the Zendo. At that time, there was a Suzuki Roshi's picture hanging. I don't know if you remember. It was hanging uh, right opposite the, the door, the Laguna Street door. Uh, with a bench under, and there used to be Suzuki Roshi's picture there, very big. And he was smiling with a twinkle in his eyes, looking at people who enter through that door. So I brought uh, my friends there, and I said, oh, this is uh, Suzuki Roshi who founded this temple and 
they went to bow. And, and this friend, this new friend, he, he went over to, to, the, to the wall where the picture was hung and put, he put his forehead on the wall and stayed there for a minute as if that was the only way to express how he felt. Those of you who, um, who are not aware, there was during the Second World War, um, there was Japanese invasion in China and there was anti-Japanese war and people fought for eight years until the Second World War ended. So in older generation Chinese uh, of Chinese people, many of them still held that trauma and, and anger. And for my friends who are from older generation, who are able to enter this temple that's founded by a Japanese teacher, who are able to embrace him as a teacher. I was deeply touched. So many faces of the Buddha and what is their original face? What is your original face? Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered at no cost, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.